Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Galactic Republic, Confederacy of Independent Systems, and various mercenary factions vie for control of the galaxy in a seemingly never-ending conflict known as the Clone Wars. Caught in the middle of this epic struggle, the Jedi Knights strive to maintain order and civility in a deadly game that is being manipulated by the Dark Lords of the Sith. From the war-torn front lines, Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their dedicated team of analysts emerge as voices of truth and stability in these dark and deceptive times. Hey, Star Wars fans, welcome back to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Hey, this is episode number 110 for the episode A Necessary Bond. I am your co-host, Matt the Crankster Cranky. And joining me is the creator of the original podcast dedicated to the Clone Wars animated series from the Great White North, Michael Cohen. What's up, my friend? How you doing? Hey, hey. Uh, so we, we've brought the Youngling arc to a close. We have, uh, yeah. And uh, and next up, I think we've got some droid action, but uh, yeah. But uh, more importantly, we have lots of news regarding Episode Seven. So yeah, like we'd like to do. Yeah, yeah. Just a couple so, things. So we should jump right on into that news. Let's do it. Welcome. I have been expecting you. This is just the beginning. This is where the fun begins. Join us or die. Our meeting was not a coincidence. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. <laughs> All right, Mike. So like I said, I wanted to start off with um, this first one. And this kind of broke. I th- it was actually last week when we were recording. I think it was during. Mm-hmm. But I figured out just, we'll just wait. I mean, everybody's talking about it. But we have to put our two cents on each of these stories as they come out. Uh, yeah. We have a um, rumored... See, here's the thing, Mike. We have rumors that are so crazy that they're ridiculous or whatever. And then we have some that are, you know, this probably is going to happen. And this yeah. kind of is in that second category. It looks like it's it's going it, to... It might happen. Um, Deadline.com last week pro, uh, had written that Lawrence Kasdan and Simon Kinberg are to write the uh, two of the sequels. It looks like eight and nine. Uh, we don't know which one is doing what yet, but of course, you know, Kasdan, he's got a great uh, resume. I mean, he's fully entrenched in Star Wars, um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, Kindberg, I didn't know this, Mike, that he did First Class X-Men. He did Sherlock Holmes and Jumper, so a uh, pretty good duo right there. What do you think? I mean, and there was an update from The Hollywood Reporter that says uh, basically... It's a pretty credible rumor, so we'll see yeah. what happens. But what do you think? I, this is good news, right? Uh, it's it's. I think it's one half good news and one half mixed news. I. What's the mixed de- news? 
Well, obviously, Kazdin coming back is the great news because he he had a major hand in Empire uh, along right. with Irvin Kirshner of of getting that story to the point that that it's at as as the great movie that it is. Uh, and then he's also uh, a contributor to Return of the Jedi, so um, that's really solid. Uh, the thing that worries me a little bit more is uh, is who's now who's the other guy? What's I'm trying to find is Kindberg. Yeah, uh, Kindberg is a little bit uh, spottier, let's say, a little bit more hit and miss. Sherlock Holmes, definitely awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, X Men First Class. Is a good movie, but I do think that there might be a couple of issues there. Like, and he also wrote uh, the Last Stand, so mm. which was the third X Men. Okay, that didn't which, come out too good. Yeah, yeah, which is not a great movie. So, um, you know, and Jumper also not particularly great. Uh, starring no. Hayden Christensen. Hey, there you go. But uh, but not not exactly what I would call a solid story or script so uh so that's it's a little bit like i say it's mixed because he's got a couple of good movies in there and and a couple of pretty bad movies uh a lot of it i feel like is going to depend on on a director more so than a screenwriter uh screenwriters come in they can only do so much and then once the director has a hold of it uh for instance, uh, Roberto Orsian and uh, uh, Alex Kurtzman, uh, they write tons of stuff. They wrote uh, the 2009 Star Trek with uh, with J.J. Abrams directing it and, uh, and Damon Lindelof producing it. So with sort of that producer at the beginning making sure that everything's good and then the director picking up from there and seeing it through onto the screen... You end up with an awesome movie like 2009 Star Trek. I, uh, you can also then say Roberto and and uh, Alex wrote uh, Transformers. In fact, they wrote the three Transformers movies, which are pretty atrocious movies. Like they mm-hmm. are about the bottom of the barrel. Like they do lots of money because there's lots of really great action sequences because that's what Michael Bay is all about. But the movies themselves not exactly the greatest so i you know it it, it all kind of i think it, it's all really going to hinge on a director more so mm-hmm. than than the writers i think we have competent writers in there uh i, I really like uh, uh michael arndt being uh on board for the first one uh he's got some really great credits to his name um and and he's a he's a really solid writer i think uh little miss sunshine in particular the the character relationships in that movie that's that's why i some would say episode one two and three were missing a little bit so Mm -hmm. um i think it's pretty easy to imagine the 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 world of star wars and the action sequences that we can have and all of that sort of stuff and a good director will bring that stuff to fruition but a good writer is going to be instrumental in having those dialogue scenes and those those moments between characters really come up so um episode episode seven under aren't is i think going to be uh pretty well written uh whichever one kazden ends up doing which i think he'll probably end up doing the the middle story uh just to sort of stick with continuity there and then probably like i think one of the reasons why we're hearing that they're 
that they've both been brought on at the same time. I would imagine that Kasdan is going to be sort of supervising on all three movies mm-hmm. because he's he's one of the, the people uh, that you could say is responsible for uh, for the, the, the expanded mythology of <clears throat> Star Wars. Um, he was there when George was getting ready to move on to the next stage and start fleshing out that world a little bit more. And uh, obviously, George is, is majorly responsible for that. But Lawrence Kasdan is definitely the next person on the list as far as, you know, sort of bringing in bounty hunters and fleshing out the Empire and making Vader a little bit more of a relatable character and all of those sorts of things, I think, uh, have his fingerprints on it. And after that, I think it's definitely Irvin Kirshner. So um, having him involved in any capacity, I think, is a smart move. Uh, He's also, uh, he wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, mm-hmm. Which is one of the the most perfect movies of all time. I mean, oh, yeah. that's that's uh, those two <clears throat> movies alone, Empire and Raiders, are. Uh, I think uh, really it, it, in a realistic world, maybe not in an ideal setting, uh, but in a realistic world of what you can accomplish with film, they are as close to perfect as you're likely to get. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I think that he has a lot to do with that. So I, I'm excited to have him involved. A little bit more uh, hesitant with uh, with uh, Kindberg, but uh, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, we also have to, to sort of verify some of this stuff, right? So I was I was more you know happy to see Kasdan because you know what he did for the OT and. And what he could have done, here's the thing, what he could have done, because he was hampered I, a little bit by George, obviously. I mean, he wanted Han Solo to die. We all know this. And, you know, for a bigger impact to the story. And I'm out. That would have put a big... He wanted to give the audience a feeling like, hey, you know, these characters aren't necessarily safe. You know, trying to set that up. You know what I mean? And, and that's what he wanted to do with Han. He wanted to kill him off early in Return of the Jedi to give you that sense like, wow, man, nobody's... I guess nobody's safe then, you know, because he was, by Return of the Jedi, Han was, you know, part, he's obviously part of the big three, you know, so uh, I I just, I was more excited to see his name involved than anything else, so. Yeah. Um, and that leads us to some other changes from LFL, my, uh, Lucasfilm, and, and McCallum quietly retires from uh, from Lucasfilm and Howard Rothman, Howard Rothman returns, but I think the McCallum one was a little, uh, you know, no fanfare. Just hey, uh, oh, he's gone. Like nobody knew. <laughs> I guess yeah. he's been gone for a little while. And this is one of those where I, I was starting to think about it, Mike. And I know we've talked about him before in the past. Like, you know, I don't know if he's had the greatest track record. Um, a lot of people have said that he was a yes man to Lucas and and. Mm-hmm. And those kind of things, you know, I don't know. Um, I think he did some good things, and there were some other things that, that didn't work. And but it was just kind of weird that he kind of just out of the, it just kind of came up one day. Oh, by the way, he's retired. You know, had you heard about this? Uh, there was sort of an assumption uh, uh, early on in all of this Disney stuff that that he was done, that that he was uh, moving away from Lucasfilm. Um, and possibly retiring. So 
yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't think that I've ever really hidden my feelings towards Rick McCallum. Right. I, I hold him personally responsible for how bad some aspects of the prequels are. Um, there is definitely, I, I, there are definitely blind spots, uh, particularly in episode one, which I just watched over the weekend. Okay. Uh, my, my in-laws wanted to watch it. So we went over to their house uh, for dinner on Sunday night, and we ended up uh, watching, watching. Uh, we watched the Grey Cup, and then we watched Star Wars. And uh, the Grey Cup is CFL. That's Canadian football. Football league, yeah. For mm-hmm. uh, for those who don't know, um, and uh, I watching it again. I mean, watching it with people who are not necessarily Star Wars fans. I mean, it's not like they dislike Star Wars, but they don't. Uh, they're not invested in it. Um, it was really interesting to get their take on on episode one. I, I, they they were kind of puzzled as to why people disliked it so much. Uh, they consider they thought that it was a that it was a good movie, that it was fun and entertaining, uh, which is kind of really the only thing that a movie needs to be, in my opinion. But right. I, but the, uh, watching it, sitting there watching it all the way through from start to finish, which I haven't really done in a long time. Uh, not well. That's to say, without commentary, I, I I watched it and and was sort of uh, looking at it, going, yeah, this th- there's there's a lot of issues here, and there's a lot of things that could have really easily been fixed, but instead, I you know people were quiet about it and just kind of let George do his own thing, or I uh, I personally feel in, in the. It, in the example of Rick McCallum, <laughs> suggested to do things that were maybe a little bit off base, uh, and, and that contributed to it maybe not necessarily resonating with everybody as much as it could have. Um, stuff like making Jar Jar as silly as he is, uh, I, I think that that a different producer, a, a Kathleen Kennedy, <laughs> uh, would have said, "Hey, you need to tone that guy down. He's a little." <laughs> He's a little intense because I like Jar Jar. I like the concept. I like the whole idea of this native going along with them and uh, and influencing the story the way that he does. Um, and to, it's sort of the same thing as the Ewoks, right? To show that that these uh, just because they're less uh, advanced technologically doesn't mean that there's not a spirit there that that's that's equal. Right, uh, it's sort of this. Uh, it's almost similar to a Star Trek ideal of of uh, of diversity and uh, not counting people out because they're different. Um, so there's there's cool stuff in there, and you can see that there's a nugget that that George wanted us to get from that story. It doesn't come uh, come across on screen because we're too busy worrying about the fact that Jar Jar is kind of obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rick McCallum is the kind of guy who I think contributed to that, that atmosphere at Lucasfilm, uh, that, that sort of let that happen. Uh, mm-hmm. so having him step away, I am absolutely 100% okay with. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think, I think this is, this is the best news out of everything in my opinion because it means that we can really um, we can really get back to making Star Wars 
what it is, what mm-hmm. it's supposed to be. McCallum has had nothing to do with the Clone Wars, uh, with the exception of, of, of uh, a little bit of, of the sort of the press stuff when it when it was ramping up. But since it started, I. Uh, you know he's really not had anything to do with it i think that he switched over to red tails and that was his focus um and uh and i think that the clone wars definitely benefits for it i think that 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 mark that's all over the special edition and and the prequel trilogy isn't on the clone wars um and it, people will go, oh, well, it's because George has nothing to do with it. It's like, that's that's what the layman says, right? That's what the average uh, person out there says. And you go, no, actually, George Lucas breaks every single one of these stories, mm-hmm. hands it off to Dave Filoni and the writers, and then they flesh it out. But really, like, when, when we get a, an arc about younglings, it's because george lucas says i want to do an arc about younglings i want to do this story this is this is where star wars needs to go and uh and and the fact that stuff has been able to be so great on the clone wars i think has a lot to do with the fact that it's george uh but through the filter of dave filoni and the rest of the creative team at lucas animation and i think that 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 really, uh, w- when you get back down to what makes some of the best Star Wars movies the best Star Wars movies, uh, Empire in particular, it's George through the filter of somebody who can go, okay, mm-hmm. let's let's rein this in, let's expand on this, let's focus on this element, let's take that part, but let's turn it on its head, you know, and and you get you get great stuff like Yoda, and you get great stuff like the the you know the confrontation between Luke and, and Vader, and you get Hoth, and you get all of these amazing things that clearly come from the imagination of George Lucas, but are uh, refined, mm-hmm. sort of, because it's almost it's almost like you you get this raw material that is George Lucas's imagination. And uh, if you just put that on screen, it's unwieldy and, and you can't really, uh, you can't control it. But, uh, but if you can find a way to harness that raw material and turn it into to something special, you get Empire Strikes Back, right? Mm, right. So, and you get the Clone Wars. I, I, like, I, I honestly believe that the Clone Wars is some of the best stuff that's ever been produced in regards to, to Star Wars. I mean, the, the beginning of this arc that we're talking about tonight, uh, it's a perfect example. It's it's some of the best Star Wars since Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it gets right down to the heart of why we love this series of movies, and it just lets us live there, you know, with those characters. So... So I, you know, the the all of these changes at Lucasfilm, I I feel like are uh, long overdue, and uh, and and really really good for us, for the fans, and for everybody who loves Star Wars. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I know he's. I it's just like he's been like you said. He really hasn't been. There's nothing to be involved with really. I mean, Clone Wars is taken care of. At the time, there was no movies, and this is a new regime, you know, with Lucasfilm. You know, George is is, is done, um, and this is a whole new regime. So I, yeah, I can understand the fact that uh, it's kind of like, hey, we got this now. Um, and who knows? I don't know if he wanted to be involved. He might be at that age as well, where he's ready to go. 
and, and hang it up. But, you know, Rothman's back. He retired just a little while ago, just, just months ago. He retired, and, and he's back into the swing of things. So um, I guess some people are staying and <laughs> that were part of the mix a long time ago, and, and some are gone. So that's okay, though. Like I said, I'm with you. You know, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm glad this whole new regime is coming about. So I think uh, we're ready to go. Cool. Okay, sorry, just give me one second. I'm just going to... That's so that I know where to edit. And uh, <laughs> I have to uh, I have to plug my headphones in because they're okay. about to die. All right. Let's head on over to the recap. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Something is stirring in the underworld. Remember, there can only be two. You are our secret weapons. There are some citizens of the Republic who believe the Jedi Order is not what it used to be. We can help you reclaim Mandalore. You are a clone and a soldier in the Republic Army. I sense a deep anger in you. Everything that you fought so hard for will be destroyed. Anakin! Sometimes heroes fall despite their strength. Onderon is out. We are brothers. All right, Mike, I'll start us off with a necessary bond. While on a rite of passage, six Jedi younglings and Ahsoka Tano are ambushed. Protecting the young Jedi Ahsoka was... Protecting young Jedi, Ahsoka was captured by the nefarious Hondo Anaka and taken to the planet Florum. Marshalling their courage and training, the younglings infiltrated the pirate stronghold and rescued Ahsoka. Now we find our heroes in a race to their starship with the pirates closing in. Cool. It just goes right into it, yeah. so I'm going to keep going. Uh, okay. Under heavy fire from the pirates, Petro uses a comm link to contact Huyang and Gennody currently aboard the recently recharged crucible ahsoka piloting the commandeered speeder tank sends rescue coordinates to the old jedi vessel well, like you said you know it starts off right where we yeah. left off last week and i'm just wondering you know well obviously this would have played better as um a full uh four well not even an hour just the whole arc and but especially these two last two episodes because they you know bounced right from one to the other obviously would have played better having seen them to get together but hey that's how it goes um and, and another nod to a new hope i think with this um you know 
there was one scene with it was uh it was I think it was Ganodi I know it was Petro mm-hmm. and he's talking and he's saying um it was just a banter like C three PO and Luke in the garbage tank you know she's out I think it was I think it was Ganodi um you know messing around with Huang or whatever not paying attention to what's going on you know what I'm saying and and he's calling yeah hey where you at come on so a nice little exchanger kind of reminded me a little bit of of a new hope on that the trash uh, compactor scene uh, as the crucible arrives ahsoka places a carnival mask atop the speeder's tank steering to guide the vehicle while she and the younglings head topside the padawan successfully fends off blaster fire from hondo's pirates and the younglings begin a dangerous climb onto the crucible but the makeshift steering comes loose and the tank careens out of control and hey mike this is a classic tale we've seen this so many times a vehicle mm-hmm. rescues you know that you got to rig the vehicle so it keeps going and the uh you know it's steering out of control and it's going towards the large chasm or canyon or bridge that's out yeah. so you know we've kind of seen this we've kind of seen this before so we know where this is going uh so i was just like i, I kind of know where we're going with this but hey you know we're having a good time uh mm-hmm. what do you think yeah kinda, no kinda it's, a, it's, coming. it's a it's a great action sequence to to start off the episode it's kind of cool um i this is one uh, arc that i'd love to see uh edited together and uh, i i right. think one of the things that i had said last season or maybe it was at the beginning of this season is that i uh, with the arcs particularly the umbaran arc is probably the best example of it um I, I don't like uh, uh, the the Ryloth arc from season one is another really good example. I don't like it when when they'll do an arc and it's three episodes and each episode is self contained, right? Um, mm-hmm. Right. And and there's really nothing linking them other than the fact that it's all part of one conflict. Um, the Umbaran arc was like that, where it was like, well, this episode all of this happens and then it doesn't really end but that part of the story's done and then in the beginning of the next story we kind of remember what happened before but we're kind of also ignoring it um particularly when like there's the one episode where where they just fly the ship up to, to up to the whatever the the space battle and and do all that mm-hmm. while not much else happens on the ground um for me, Star Wars is kind of at its best when it's telling multiple stories at the same time, um, and uh, and and this season they've kind of, they've started to move towards that a little bit more. I think if you watch this all edited together, uh, it would have a little bit more of that feeling because we start on one planet and then uh, you know like our, our 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 story goes through there, which is just kind of the introduction to the characters, and then as soon as that sort of feels like it's wrapped up we get into a ship and we're flying back somewhere else and that's when we're attacked by pirates and because we're attacked by pirates we end up on the pirate planet and call for help obi-wan kenobi is too busy fighting general grievous but because they've taken out so much of grievous's fleet grievous decides we'll all just land on this pirate planet and take out these pirates while i'm here and so everything just all kind of comes crashing together at the end and i i the there's there's three storylines there. There's the storyline of the younglings. There's the storyline of Hondo Onaka, and there's the storyline of Obi Wan and Grievous, and uh, and they're all kind of woven together and come together in this episode. And 
I and this episode is is a really great example of that being a continuing story because it starts with the action sequence that we left them in at the end of the last episode. So mm-hmm. it really it flows together. It, it doesn't feel like last week was resolved and now this this week we're dealing with a new problem. Uh, last week's problems are this week's problems, right? We just have to keep going with them, right? Uh, uh, so I don't know. I like that. I hope that's a little bit more of what we're we're gonna get. Um, it feels like that. Definitely, the Onderon arc felt a little bit more like that. Uh, this this arc has felt like that, and uh, and uh, I think that the next next couple of arcs will also be similar, where we won't be dealing with sort of one piece at a time. We'll be dealing with multiple pieces, and they'll all kind of come together by the conclusion, uh, mm. which is that that's that Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back thing where we split the group. And then bring them back together. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm I'm really excited to uh, to to keep going this season and, and hopefully get a little bit more of this because they now they definitely feel like movies. Uh, if you edit all of these mm. 22, you know it's four times 22. That's 88 minutes. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that's that's 90 minutes. I mean, I just saw Rise of the Guardians, the new DreamWorks animated movie, and uh, and it's 97 minutes long. Hmm. Well. You know, I an episode of the Clone Wars or these four episodes of the Clone Wars that you put together—it's 97 minutes long. That's a movie, in my opinion. I uh, you can you, like you can edit that all together and release it, and uh, yeah, I don't know. That's so what I, that's what uh, Luke uh, Disney's here for. Yeah, well, I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I hope so, and I yeah. hope that they don't just release them on DVD. I hope we also get them on Blu-ray, and I hope, I yeah. hope, I hope, I hope that we get them in maybe I don't know 3D Blu-ray. Because that would be really cool. Disney's really huge with that, right? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, the the latest Tinkerbell movie came out in 3D, and uh, and it's mind blowing, stunning 3D. I mean, Disney really does a great job of that mm-hmm. with their with their computer animated stuff. So I would love to see some of that stuff trickle into Clone Wars. I would love to see some Clone Wars in 3D. I, I think that everybody can get behind that. Um, I would love to see some maybe like if they could do some best of discs because i know we don't want to replace our seasons with uh with 3d versions of the seasons but if you took you know some of these really great arcs like the slaver arc from last season or the i know that everybody else loves the umbaran arc you take that you take the uh uh, point rain arc from what's that season three right uh and uh you know uh and you take this youngling arc uh, and and I'm sure you take the uh, the the Darth Maul arc that we're later this season, yeah. and, uh, and and you know you edit those together into into movies into 90 minute movies and people would just they, into 3D movies people would go nuts for them. I can tell you I would buy every single one uh, just to have oh, them, yeah. just to be able to experience that. So yeah. uh, you know just an idea. Just if you're listening, Lucasfilm or Disney. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can, you can send the royalty checks to uh, <laughs> mail at Clone Wars Podcast, and uh, we'll, just, we'll just put it back into the show. It's fine. We won't take any, We won't take a cut of that personally. Oh heck no! Yeah, put it back in the show. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, as the two vehicles separate, the younglings are caught dangling precariously, or sorry, perilously, from the crucible. Petro jumps back onto the speeder tank's cockpit, or into the speeder tank's cockpit, having a hard time today. 
and manages to stabilize the vehicle, giving the Crucible time to circle back and complete the rescue. But heavy fire from the pirates ends up crashing the Jedi ship, and our heroes are captured by Gwar. Try, little Jedi, but it looks like you're coming with us. <laughs> so, like you were just saying, Mike, I mean, this whole third, you know, first act of the of this um, episode was just all action, you know, all yeah. action, you know, up until the commercial break, all action. But, you know, I had, I had kind of the second time I watched it, I think I go, you know what? Um, Huyang, he's kind of playing the role of C-3PO now in, in, in this particular arc. Um, you know, he's, he's riding around with R2. Um, yeah. They're kind of doing their back and forth a little bit, and it just kind of dawned on me. And, and Dave Filoni, he mentions in the, uh, in the episode, um, the behind-the-scenes kind of featurettes they do for each of these episodes, uh, how the original Ralph McQuarrie uh, C-3PO art uh, inspired the look of Huang a little bit. So they kind of took from from that to to, to make this droid, and uh, but yeah, he's he's kind of playing the uh, the C three P on this, which was I was like, oh yeah, where's three P O's not here? You know, it kind of just yeah. dawned on me uh, uh, the second time I watched it. So uh, kind of interesting how they're how they kind of left C three P O out. You know, I missed the golden rod, man. Yeah, was a golden rod. <laughs> yeah, I I, I, I liked the the relationship between Hu Yang and. But no, he's a good character. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, while transporting the Jedi back to the pirate base, Gorm peers through the binoculars and is surprised to discover that Separatist battle droids are marching on Hondo's lair. He is steering into a Separatist invasion. And I just have to ask real quick, Mike, before you go, mm-hmm. before you go on here, uh, anything, um, any reason that Grievous or Dooku wants this planet that you could see? I, watching these episodes, I didn't see anything. I just... Was it just a plat device to get um, Honda to get uh, Grievous on the planet and all this, or was I, there, is there something I'm missing? Yeah, I I feel like in the battle with with the Republic ships that Grievous's ships were damaged, uh, and uh, or or depleted, and uh, in order to sort of make the whole thing worthwhile, they've uh, he's decided to detour and. Uh, get some revenge on these pirates because uh, mm-hmm. Dooku, uh, well, I mean we'll see it in a second but Dooku is obviously pretty uh, pretty ticked yeah. still with uh, with Hondo for, uh, for way yeah. back in, what's that, season one? <laughs> season one, yeah. Yeah, yeah a long time that. ago uh, uh, when Hondo captured Dooku and, uh, and along with Obi-Wan and Anakin so uh, I, I think that there's, there's a couple things at play there uh, and and that's one of them. Okay. Uh, yeah. It actually comes up in the next paragraph. So go ahead. Uh, uh, General Grievous himself has come to Florham and quickly informs Hondo that the planet is now under separatist control. 
It means you have a new master, pirate scum, Grievous says as he tosses Hondo from his throne. A towering hologram of Count Dooku greets Hondo coldly, recalling their past together and the time Dooku was held hostage by the pirate. Dooku declares that all of Hondo's property belongs to the Separatists and shall be melted down. Hondo objects, but is dragged away by the droids. So, I guess I guess you're right. I thought I was just making sure there was nothing else in there that I missed. But yeah, it just sounds like, like you said, Mike, it was Dooku captured was the episode mm-hmm. way back in season one that uh, he was in Hondo's custody. So Dooku reminds him of that uh, the last time they met. So that's uh, like we talked about. And uh, there was also another nod to uh, Darth Vader in there, Count Dooku. He comes in, he says, quote, dispense with the pleasantries, pirate. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you caught that one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see where we at here. Uh, Gorm, was, uh, Gorm watches from a distance as the battle droids dismantle Hondo's ships. Ahsoka points out to Gorm that they have uh, a common enemy and they should work together to escape. Gorm explains that Hondo does have a pirate fleet of vessels, but only the pirate chief knows where they are hidden. They must work together to free Hondo. So uh, 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 Ahsoka, she's able to persuade Gorm uh, Mm. to work together so uh, and to free Hondo as well. So I thought that kind of, you know, I was kind of wondering, does a Jedi mind trick, would a Jedi mind trick have worked Mm -hmm. on these pirates? Uh, instead of just trying to, because uh, I was, I thought that's where we were going. I was like, cool, you know, just throw the hand up there and go, you know, you will help us, you know. But we didn't see it. I was like, perfect opportunity, but they didn't take it. I don't know why. They just had her persuade him uh, the normal way. But I was hoping for a little mind trick. I don't know if you were uh, seeing that as well, Mike. No, I mean, I think I think it was just uh, she didn't need to resort to to any tricks because obviously. That's their boss. They, yeah. yeah, they both want to get rid of. Uh, they both want to get rid of Grievous. So, yeah, uh, you know, if they can all work together, they'll be a lot stronger. And I, I think that's that's one of the things that makes it a Jedi move, is to go like, look, we we were just fighting one another, mm-hmm. but now that the greater evil is here, let's deal with that, and we can deal with each other later, right? Right. Uh, so, I, yeah, okay. I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, you too. Uh, the first phase of the plan sees R2-D2 pilot the speeder tank into the pirate base, claim, uh, claiming to the dim-witted battle droids that he captured it for the Separatists. The diversion works. Ahsoka and the younglings are able to sneak into Hondo's cell. Hondo agrees to help them escape, and all the younglings ignite their new lightsabers to show they are ready to fight, all except Katuni. The younglings had previously been unable to complete their... Uh, uh, the youngling had previously been unable to complete her lightsaber's construction, but now, with Hondo's encouragement, Katuni tries again, elegantly building her weapon with the Force. Once complete, she ignites her finished, fully functioning Jedi weapon and is ready. She cuts Hondo down from his energy containment cage, and they free the rest of Hondo's men. Oh, amazing! <laughs> Oh, that is truly amazing. Well, cut me down, little Jedi. It's time to leave. Yes! 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 Yes!
So why the big show? You didn't really have a choice. You know we have to work together. Because, Jedi, you know what we are about to attempt is very dangerous. And I may be a pirate, but I do not like taking children into battle. That didn't seem to bother you when you attacked us. <laughs> well, today is a new day. And lucky for you, today, I like children. Now let's free the rest of my men. And anyway, Mike, this is a pretty good scene. And But here's one thing that um, kind of... I was wondering about it, and I saw another guy. His name is actually Pete Morrison from LightsaberRattling.com. He had mentioned something about this scene, and that the fact that Katuni, all of a sudden, with just a little encouragement from Hondo, is able to construct her lightsaber and get it working right there, and she couldn't do yeah. it all those other times before. And I was like, wait a minute. You know, it's just one of those... It kind of got to a couple of people, and I can understand that. You know, It was one of those contrived things that... Okay, she needs to have her lightsaber now. But the way they put it forth in the episode, it was like, um, you know, Hondo's instilling some confidence in these kids. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, Hondo, every time he's on the scene now, he, he's, he eats up, you know, he's, he's a scene stealer, man. I'm telling yeah. you what, he's, just, he's so Absolutely. good. So yeah. I don't know, what'd you think of that? Do you yeah, think it I'm, was a contrived or anything like that? Or th Thinking back on it, I, I I feel like it, it maybe needed a little bit more explanation, needed to be a little bit more clear. In watching the episode, it didn't bother me. I I I do feel that that Katuni, um, sort of in that moment in, in that conversation with Hondo, she gained something, right? A little bit of that confidence and sort of right. saying because that's this, what she missed, right? Yeah, and I think that part of it has to do with with this. Uh, there's this pirate that I think that they were afraid of previously, and now here they are having rescued Ahsoka from him. So they've they've defeated him, and now he's in chains at the hands of Grievous. So he's no longer scary, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and I think that there was a lot of fear that that was stopping her from being able to finish her lightsaber. Um, she she definitely had that sort of. Uh, you know, well, we're not ready for this. We're not ready for that sort of thing. So I think, I think within the context of just thinking about it in this episode, uh, it might come off as a little bit like out of the blue. But I think in, in the larger flow of these four episodes together, I think these characters, the, these younglings, have gone through a a pretty great ordeal just to get to this point where they're now rescuing a pirate who they were previously fighting like mm -hmm. hours pre ago you know uh prior and i uh, and and uh, that's there it's it's a uh, it's that perspective stuff it's that certain point of view thing i uh, and right. uh, and i think they that that experience that life experience uh as as rex would say experience counts for everything right uh, oh yeah yeah so i i think that 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 has a big a, a big part in how she's able to finally put her lightsaber together and uh, and everybody else is like well I'm ready to fight I'm ready to fight I'm ready to fight <clears throat> and previously Katunia has been sort of reluctant and saying like well it's not really our place we're, we're just kids and uh, and I think that in this moment she she realizes well look at the rest of, of my friends 
uh, and my peers, they're all ready to fight. They're all ready to lay down their lives and to do what has to be done in order to uh, defeat Grievous. What's holding me back? And I think that in that moment, she she overcomes it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the thing. No different than when they were in the cave. Uh, it, that's the thing that allows her to put it together right that that's the like she the the lightsaber is kind of a metaphor for her right uh, and i think it's a metaphor for all of them i think that's one of the reasons why they build their, their lightsabers the way that they do mm-hmm. um they're finally able to put them together when they themselves can sort of put together all of the pieces uh of, of being a jedi right uh, it's it's sort of the last it's the last test before the trials, right? You right. build your lightsaber, <clears throat> and then you get a master. Like, the next step for them is to go on and become Padawans. And then from there, their next test is going to be the trials to become Jedi Knights. So, um, I think, like, th- this is a th- this is a big moment for them, because it's to show that it's, it's them being able to put together everything that they've learned over the years... And uh, finally, become Padawans, become the first level of Jedi. Because because prior to that, they're not really Jedi, right? They're younglings. Right. So I yeah I I, I I didn't have a problem with it. And the more the more I think about it, the less problem I have with it. Because if you just look at those characters' journeys, you can see previously what's holding her back, and then you can see in this moment she makes a decision, and that decision. Is is to let go of that fear and to uh, to mm-hmm. to do it. What's right? Uh, she's not fighting because it's cool and it's exciting. She's fighting because it's the right thing to do. Because they have to defeat Grievous in order to survive and in order to not be a hindrance to her friends uh, and to to those that that she's tasked with taking care of, uh, watching their backs. She has to overcome this this bit and she does like she she has a moment where she's kind of looking at it and she's like well everybody but me and she's holding all of her pieces mm-hmm. and she kind of looks at them and she looks at hondo and you can kind of tell that that behind the behind her eyes there's something going on right like she's she's figuring something out and hondo helps her get there and i think at the end of the episode just to jump ahead a little bit at the end of the episode when they sort of share that moment i uh, I think that's what that is. I think that's where that connection, that bond is. Um, and, mm-hmm. and partway through the episode, she jumps on the speeder bike with him, right? So, I, uh, you know, I, I think that, that, that overcoming that fear and realizing that Hondo is not necessarily a bad guy, not necessarily a good guy, and all these things plays into it. And she forms this bond. Uh, it's, I'm, it's in the, the title of the episode, right? It's, it's a necessary bond. And, uh, and I, I think that Katuni is the character that we're supposed to be experiencing that through. Whereas, you know, we've had other characters in, in the previous episodes that we were sort of uh, viewing things through. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I, I, I read that too. And then, like I said, I just thought back and like, you know, it's, that's what he was doing. Even, even Ahsoka, she says, you know, what's with the big show? And he kind of breaks it down to her in not so many words. Like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm trying to... To build up these kids and give them some comments because we're going to be going into some heavy stuff here 
uh, you know, we're going to be going into a battle where they yeah. could die. So we got to give them some confidence. And, um, and, and Hondo, as well as I, is, is fascinated by the, how these kids um, put together these, these lightsabers. So yeah. um, he, he's, he's looking at it, you know, oh, my gosh, it's cool, you know. So yeah. uh, I thought that was funny there. Uh, the prison break erupts into a firefight that sends battle droids scattering. OM-87 calls in an alert to General Grievous that an attack is underway by miniature Jedi. Grievous orders wholes uh, wholesale destruction of the pirate camp to thwart this surprising uprising. Uh, emerging from the pirate base, Ahsoka leads the charge against the droid army. Jedi and pirate, side by side, fight their way through the battle droids until they can reach speeder tanks and speeder bikes. Katuni jumps on the back of Hondo's bike. The charming pirate has clearly gained a young admirer. Ahsoka, Huyang, and the, and the younglings board R2-D2 speeder tank, and the escapees punch through the droid blockade. I really love, uh, just just sort of on a note of, about Huyang, who's sort of in the background of this episode, although he does have a few lines. Mm -hmm. um, I love his uh, the physicality of the character. Um, he moves a little bit more like one of the droid commandos, the battle uh -huh. droid commandos. Um, he's sort of he's kind of springy and spry, and even though he's got no arms, it doesn't slow him down. Uh, he he's he sort of hops up onto things and jumps around, and and uh, I I just really liked the way that the character was shown. I I like it when they can take the droids and make them a little bit less clunky, because um, right. mm -hmm. obviously some droids aren't built for that. Some droids are built for very specific uses. Uh, and and obviously there's the the technical limitation of the actual physical actor uh, inside of an R two sorry inside of a, a protocol droid costume or whatever. But uh, but when you get these characters, particularly in the Clone Wars, where we don't even have to worry about physical actors, uh, we can do some cool stuff with the droids and with showing that you know the, they're a little bit more advanced. And I would like to think that Huyang is not only responsible for teaching these younglings how to build their lightsabers but the very beginning of their sort of this is your lightsaber this is how you're going to wield it right mm -hmm. um there there would have to be an aspect of it um that they that, that he's uh, a bit of a swordsman himself so right um, yeah I, I i just i really liked it um if grievous can hop around and do all the things that he does oh, yeah. <laughs> why can't a battle droid right or sorry why can't a, a droid Particularly yeah. a Jedi droid, so. Yeah. Uh, Grievous orders pursuit, and he leaps onto his personal chariot-like speeder. The Separatist droids chase the escaping pirates through the twisting trenches of a dried geyser field. Hondo and his pirates take one branching trench, separating from the tank with the younglings. Hondo activates a secret door that leads to his hidden ship's vault. Hondo's secret vault has an assortment of ships, including the refurbished Slave One. The pirates intend to leave, but Katuni is crushed at the idea of Hondo abandoning the younglings. Her genuine disappointment in Hondo resonates in the allegedly heartless brigand. And hey, I'll tell you what, Mike, you get that panning shot coming into their little lair, mm -hmm. and it purposely pans to the Slave One for a minute. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, you know, with the new paint scheme. Yeah. You know, with Boba's sort of paint scheme did you notice that yeah yeah well and also the entrance to the uh to the pirate cave was uh was a crashed 
Twilight. Uh, not not specifically right. the Twilight. So let's right. be really clear, everybody. That's not the Twilight. That is a ship of the same make and model. Um, Anakin's Twilight is somewhere. Uh, we haven't seen it for a while, but uh, hopefully it'll come back. I, I that is the one promise of season one uh, that that really upsets me that it's kind of disappeared. Is that the Twilight was supposed to be like the Millennium Falcon? Uh, we were supposed to see Anakin constantly working on it, tweaking it, making it better, and it was supposed to be a character like the Falcon is. And uh, and and there is no ship that's that that is that that's a character, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's always kind of bugged me that I uh, I they kind of promised that and it never really came to fruition and they've kind of just abandoned that idea. But uh, hopefully we'll see the Twilight again. But more importantly than that, we see the Slave One with this uh, with with its classic Slave One paint job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, minus one thing, mm-hmm. and it's really cool. If you go on StarWars.com and you check out the slideshows for this episode, um, there's a there's a they always do a trivia slideshow, and in the trivia slideshow they have uh, they have the Episode Two Slave One. They have the uh, the season oh, yeah. the season two slave one. I uh, so the the Clone Wars version of the of the the of Django's slave one, uh, and then they have the concept paint job for Hondo's slave one, and then they have uh, a picture of the slave one model from Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look at it, Hondo's slave one has this. Uh, it's sort of this emblem on the front of it, this uh, pirate emblem, and uh, that emblem is mysteriously missing on the uh, on, on the classic Slave One paint job. But the panel that it's on is replaced by this uh, big green panel. Uh, so it's a uh, you can tell that that at some point between now and then, it gets a little bit dinged up and replaced with a. Uh, with a new panel, so uh, I really like that touch that they that they could make it a little bit unique for right now, mm-hmm. but uh, but that it still has a little bit to go before it'll be Boba Fett's slave one, um, and uh, and and there's definitely some distressing on Hondo's shiny new paint job. So uh, I I I thought that was great. I thought that was a really great moment for the episode and. Uh, it was a surprise yet again. Oh yeah, so, definitely. So twice in one arc, they've managed to surprise us. Yeah, and speaking of ships, real quick, you know, I mentioned last week, Mike, about how I thought Grievous seemed—he just seemed nastier. He it just didn't seem like he was going out like a punk like he normally does. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it continues in this episode. Uh, I thought, and how about that uh, speeder bike of his? That thing was—that was pretty cool. You know, and speaking of ships, uh, yeah, it, cool it, ship. It, I think they missed an opportunity. I think that they could have introduced the uh, the wheel bike, and, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and sort of kept that in. And I think that uh, you know what? I'll bet you anything that that's what they wanted to do. But yeah, they probably just didn't have time because the wheel bike would have been chewing up gravel and stuff like that. So it would have meant a whole lot more technical animation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I, I just feel like it was a little bit of a missed opportunity to introduce something familiar rather than giving us something. Uh, new, um, yeah. but it was a pretty cool speeder bike. It kind of had a different feel from some of the other ones. Yeah. Um, uh, go ahead, Mike. Your turn. 
Uh, Grievous, having caught up to the youngling's speeder tank, leaps onto the vehicle and engages Ahsoka in lightsaber combat. Hu Yang has R2-D2 shake the tank in a desperate attempt to toss Grievous from the vehicle. The tank spins out of control and comes crashing to a stop on the desert surface. Grievous is thrown from the vehicle, but so are the younglings. As Grievous appears, ready to continue the fight, the younglings unite behind Ahsoka and ignite their lightsabers. They are unafraid and ready to battle. So many lightsabers to add to my collection, Grievous taunts. And Grievous has a really cool moment in here where he sort of does his spider walk thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, after the crash. Splits apart, yeah, and, and walks with his uh, multiple limbs. But uh, more important than that is the great... Uh, a very Star Warsy moment of Hu Yang telling him that he needs to he need that R two needs to do something, and R two kind of beeps back and he's like, I don't know, be yeah. more aggressive, <laughs> and and so R two yeah. does this stuff, flips the tank, and then Hu Yang's like, that was a little too aggressive. Yeah, just and a little bit. <laughs> It's just this really cool moment that felt very much like, like I don't know, fly casual, right? Right. And, right. Uh, and it sort of just had that that. Star Wars dialogue feel to it that I really love. Mm-hmm. And I just mentioned too that I, during the scene where they're ex- escaping, um, the Jedi, the younglings, um, I, I just seemed like they showed a lot of skill uh, when they're battling the, the the battle droids. You know, they're flipping, mm-hmm. they're they're using the lightsabers very well. So, um, like Huang said, I, b- I believe he said it um, earlier in the episode. He says, you know, these are the cream of the crop. He didn't say that, but basically what he's saying is these are the top. Jedi of, of this particular class or, or yeah. year or whatever you want to call it. These are top Jedi. So to see them go out and do some, you know, quote unquote Jedi action was pretty cool. I, I yeah. like to see that. Uh, just then, the sound of starship engines echo from the canyons. The Slave One hovers behind the younglings. The ship's hats, hatch opens, revealing Katuni. Ahsoka holds off Grievous as the younglings run toward their escape vessel. After a grueling duel, an exhausted Ahsoka leaps away from Grievous, landing on the Slave One's ramp. Hondo opens fire on the Separatist general, causing him to retreat. As Separatist tanks come to Grievous's rescue, the Slave One fires away. And I'm just thinking that uh, here's Grievous versus, versus Ahsoka. There was a really great mm-hmm. mini lightsaber battle. There's some really cool stuff there. Uh, Ahsoka's showing some power, but you know, I think in the back of her mind, she knew that she could not handle yeah. uh, Grievous. Uh, she's telling the kids to get away, you know, like, hey, you know, if it's either going to be me going down or, uh, you know, a stalemate or whatever. But I, I just had this feeling that she wasn't too confident that she was going to be able to, to handle him. She did really, you know, handle herself very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, more of a, you know, I guess she did a ca- attack a couple times. But uh, more of a defensive type thing, you know, just trying to get him off of her so she can escape, as we saw at the very end, though. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good fight, and a lot of people on the front lines forums were talking about uh, that particular fight. So, uh, you want to finish it up? Yeah. Uh, later, Hondo's pirate ships have joined with, the, with a Republic task force. Hondo begins enumerating to Obi-Wan Kenobi the various expenses he's incurred saving the younglings. Upon being accused of hijacking the Crucible, Hondo scoffs at Kenobi's thanklessness and storms off, saying he will build the Jedi later. Before parting, Hondo gives Katuni one last nod of approval, which means a lot to the young Jedi. Hu Yang, now completely repaired, begins to tell the story of when Yoda went to find his lightsaber crystal. 
The group powers on their lightsabers, united as Jedi and from the experience of their recent adventure. Ahsoka, it's good to see you're all safe. Yes, Master. We had quite an eventful mission. The most eventful since the time Master Yoda went to find his lightsaber crystal. What? Yeah. Tell us what, what happened. happened then. I'm afraid that story will have to wait. For now, be proud. You have survived an ordeal few your age could. Welcome home, young Jedi. I have to hand it to you, Mike. You know, you had mentioned this uh, last it's last week or week before that, yeah. uh, hey, this is Wang who's been around. He knows that he was there when Yoda got his. And here is they come out and say it right here. Yeah. You know, so I thought that was that was a cool pickup by I, you. I think I think I, I, this is one of the reasons why Hu Yang ended up being a droid. And when you when you watch mm. one of the commentaries uh, with Dave Filoni and he talks about Hu Yang and, uh, and how they kind of came to the conclusion of what that character would be. Um, he he has this sort of smile on his face because I think it was from like two episodes ago. I think it was from a test of strength, and uh, and and he's like, well, some people were like, oh really? I, I, the Jedi build, learn to build their lightsabers from a droid, and then it, he's like, but then I had a couple of thoughts and was like, oh no, there's some pretty cool stuff that you could do with that because this is this is a droid who's been around for a thousand years and. And uh, and has seen a lot of Jedi come through and has a record. It's a cool idea that he has a record of all of the lightsabers and and uh, and can help them to build the best lightsaber. And uh, and I think like he was not saying it specifically to to not ruin the this sort of this uh, the pin at the end of this episode at the end of the arc. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that somewhere along the line somebody said, "What if we made?" Hu Yang a droid and he was probably like yeah, I don't know a droid and then he had a realization much like I did when we were doing that recap if he's a droid and he's been around for a thousand years Yoda's 900 that means that he was there when Yoda built his lightsaber mm-hmm. that is a cool story and here's my pitch to Lucas Animation to Lucasfilm to everybody they, they they want something that's for a little bit of a younger crowd. They want to do another sort of Clone Wars spinoff. This this arc is a test of that to see if uh, if it's if it'll fly. <clears throat> this is my my uh, my pitch is that they do a young Jedi show that uh, that is essentially starring Hu Yang and he tells the stories of. Uh. All of the Jedi throughout the thousand years. Yeah, I think at one point he says a thousand years, and at one point he says a thousand generations, which is funny because that's something that that goes on mm-hmm. in Star Wars a lot, where they'll say the Republic that stood for a thousand years, and it's the Republic that's been around for a thousand generations. Um, I so I mean, if he's got these databanks just full. Of of all of the greatest li- uh, uh, Jedi from the from the last thousand or so years or longer, a thousand generations. I mean that's a that's a long time. Uh, mm. That almost reaches back to the old Republic. Um, oh yeah. 
then uh, then I think that there's a lot of room in there to sell some, to tell some really cool stories because uh, it gives you the opportunity to take each and every one of the Jedi that we know from the prequels and tell their stories. Um, yeah, you you tell Yoda's story of how he built his lightsaber. You tell. Uh, the story of Anakin and sort of because Anakin would have come to the the temple at the age that the other Jedi were getting ready to build their lightsabers, and what like what does that mean for him, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We would have gotten the story of Obi Wan building his first lights first lightsaber. You'd get the story of Qui Gon building his lightsaber. You'd get the story of Dooku building his Kit Fisto Plo Koon like all of these characters. Yeah, Mace Windu. Mace right? Windu. Yeah, I mean yeah. just. The the Count Dooku. If you're talking about a 22 episode season, you could do easily two seasons just with characters that we already know. Not to mention characters from the expanded universe, characters that you make up yourself, right? Like I I, I don't know. I think that that's a cool opportunity for them to say to, to tell some stories, but uh, that might get a little bit repetitive. And, and, uh, and as Hu Yang says, this is the most eventful uh, story <laughs> yeah. since Yoda built his lightsaber. But um, if you did do that that sort of a thing, if you went back, because I think if you were going to do a Young Jedi series, you'd have to go back to pre-Clone Wars um, so <laughs> that there's not that sort of dark shadow hanging over them the whole time that yeah. they're all going to die. I, You know... Uh, to, and you could tell some of those stories, and Hu Yang could be a character that comes back. Uh, you'd be a familiar face. So. Oh yeah, definitely. I did, you know this this arc. I wasn't too uh, keen on going into it. I was like, okay, yeah. it's you know, but it turned out to be pretty good. I mean, as far as arcs go, I, there's a there's arcs that I like better, um, but you know, it ended up with some with some great stuff. I mean, Hondo again, like I said, he was a scene stealer. Uh, I liked the stuff with him and Katuni. I liked yeah. uh, Hondo at the end with Obi-Wan, and uh, their exchange was just a fantastic, funny exchange. It was really good. Uh, so it ended up very nicely, and uh, I don't know, pretty good stuff. What do you think for this whole arc? Yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed it. As, as a complete arc, I think that it's pretty strong. I think it's one of the strongest complete arcs that they've done. Mm. Um, just what I was talking about earlier about... The, right, the story right. elements being sort of woven together at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think like there there's a couple issues here and there between some episodes. I didn't particularly enjoy last week's episode as much as I've enjoyed the rest of it. Right. Um, uh, ga- the gathering definitely had a stronger vibe to it than the rest of it did. Um, but uh, but overall, uh, I think it was pretty good. I, th- I think yeah. I think they did a, a pretty solid job. Okay. Um, Cool. But now that it's over, I'm excited to move on to. Oh yeah, it's always good. Yeah, droids and commandos. And, yeah. <laughs> do you have a? Do you got to get going? Or do you have no, time to finish? We we can keep going. Okay, we'll finish up real quick here. Well, let's head on over to uh, the Facebook post. Wait a minute. Play back the entire message. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? He is carrying a message from an Obi Wan Kenobi. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. I saw part of the message. You. I simply found it. All right, Mike, this one's from uh, our old friend at the uh, Frontlines podcast here for a long time, J.C. Cox. He says, uh, everyone is throwing out big names to direct the next Star Wars movie. Why not go with a man who already knows how Star Wars works, Dave Filoni? Can we get this push going for him to do the next live action movies? And 
this was, I mentioned this um, story about Dave Filoni when you were gone, Mike. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I wanted the same thing. You know, where is his, because he's been fairly quiet. I mean, he came out and said, hey, yeah. you know, I'm happy. You know, I work with Disney. Everything's great. But he's been fairly quiet. And nobody's really mentioned his name with anything uh, for 789 or live action, period. And I don't know, is, is this something that maybe is a little above his uh, experience level uh, doing a, a movie? Are yeah, you, I, I, I think do, maybe. I do think that um, that moving from animation to live action is a really big deal. Um, Andrew Stanton obviously just had mm -hmm. that the whole ordeal with John Carter, which yeah. again, if you have not seen John Carter, please get out and see it. And then, uh, and then you know, I'll post a thing on on our Facebook group and, and on our page to, to sign the petition for that for a sequel to John Carter. But uh, it's a big deal to move from animation to live action, uh -huh. yeah. and uh, and and I don't I don't know that that's necessarily what Dave Filoni wants to do. Uh, working in TV is very different from working on film, um, and I think. I think one of the reasons why he's been so quiet is because they have other plans yeah. for Lucas Animation. Uh, I really feel that in the next couple of years, we're going to see Lucas Animation take on the same sort of standing that Pixar and DreamWorks have. Yeah. Um, I, I really, really feel that. I, I think that if we're to believe what we talked about last week, which is that Lucasfilm's going to be producing two to three movies a year, I think one of those movies every year is going to be an animated movie. I also think that much like John Lasseter headed up, or still continues to head up Pixar, and is now the creative, uh, was the creative director at, at uh, or chief creative officer or something like that, at, mm -hmm. at Disney. Um, I think that Dave is is. I think he's more suited to something like that. I. Uh, He's a supervising director, which means that he's more of an executive producer mm -hmm. um, than than he is a specific director. Director. That's not to say he doesn't direct episodes, and it's not to say that when he directs episodes, they aren't some of the best ones in the series. Um, when he writes and directs, they are solid episodes. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that he is definitely capable. I think that he could. I think that it's a it's a question of uh, best use. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that his skill set is very specifically keyed towards animation. And I think that if you look at it as a business, you look at it from the perspective that Kathleen Kennedy is looking at it, you say, Dave Filoni is great where he is. If we're going to do more animation, if that's where yeah. we're going to sink a lot of time and effort, if Lucas Animation is going to become something like Pixar, then... Dave needs to be one of the driving forces behind that. He can't be distracted into making a, a live-action Star Wars movie. Um, I think he'll be too busy making the Boba Fett animated movie or <laughs> the, uh, you know, the Heir to the Empire adaptation. I, I, think, I think that there's a lot of other stuff out there for Dave to do that, that he'd be... Um, He'd just yeah. be so incredibly suited to. And I also think that after seven years of Star Wars, he might want to work on something else. And I think that that's fair. I think he, he did a great job on Avatar The Last Airbender, but that was about five, six years. And, you know, and then he was ready to move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And that's fair. You, know, you spend a lot of time on one thing, and, uh, and you want to move on to the next thing. So. 
I think yeah, I think he's he's looking to um, maybe uh, push the envelope on himself a little bit. Maybe yeah. try something different, and yeah. maybe this animation thing is is just the ticket. You know, like you said, he did five years with that. He's been with Clone Wars since what two thousand two or something like that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him stay in the Lucasfilm um, Disney animation realm i i would love for lucasfilm to give him the opportunity to tell the story that he wants to tell because i think uh, he's been a really great gun for hire and and uh, i think that he's definitely learned a lot from george lucas about how to tell a story how to construct a a credible universe uh and i think with the experience of working uh, in all of the the various uh environments that he's worked over the years he's a hugely qualified guy He's got to have a story that he wants to tell. A new IP that is something amazing and from the heart. And if... I mean, if he can do what he's done with Avatar and with The Clone Wars, I would kill to see what he does with something that that really means something to him. Something that's coming directly from him. So, as much as I'd love to see him continue to do Star Wars stuff... Uh, I would really love to see him do his own thing. I want to know what story he has to tell because uh, yeah. I'm sure that it's awesome. Yeah. Now, it was a cool post, and, I, and you're talking about yeah. animation to live action. Uh, one that comes to mind is Brad Bird, who has some somewhat success yeah. going to uh, what Mission Impossible Four, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I, that was that was a cool uh, cool post, and uh, kind of the same thought as you that uh, that's kind of a that's the next level, and, and I'm sure maybe he'll get there one day. Um, yeah. But uh, so we'll see. Uh, we got to talk about next week, Mike. We're starting. Like you said we're starting a new arc next week. Yes. And it's uh, entitled "Secret Weapons." R two D two and other Republic droids receive a mission to retrieve an encryption module from the Separatists. And let's take a listen to what's coming next week. Now, I'm only going to say this once, so turn up your audio inputs. Once we're inside the cruiser, we make our way to Sea Deck. That's where their communication center is housed. We bypass security here and here, divert the super battle droids here, then we break the vault code, beat the swarm mine, steal the encryption module, and return home in time for my promotion ceremony to Brigadier General. Are we clear? Uh, uh. Good. That's what I like. No question. D-Squad, fall in line! The line starts behind me, Matt. And I tell you what, Mike, you know, when I saw this, I was like, you know, I was sort of a little bit like, oh, okay, well, another art, another droid arc and all that. And I was like, oh, okay, no big, whatever. And, you know, I was, because I'm kind of itching to see, you know, the Anakin back and Darth Maul and all that. But, you just mentioned it, and I didn't even realize this is the Republic Commando arc as well. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so we saw so a lot of cool. we saw a lot of clips of this uh, from this arc 
at Celebration 6. And, uh, and one of the things that is going to come from this arc is, is uh, the Republic Commando character okay. for cool. this season. So uh, I, I think we won't expect him in the first episode. I think he's probably going to be a second or third episode thing, depending on how many episodes this arc is going to be. Uh, I think it's a four-part arc. I, I think the, so, yeah. The episode titles we have for the rest of this season, we've got the three episodes of uh, the, the Clo- this Clovis story with Anakin and Padme, uh, an old friend, the rise of Clovis, and Crisis at the Heart. And then we have this droid Republic Commando arc, uh, Secret Weapons, A Sunny Day in the Void, Missing in Action, and Point of No Return. And then uh, the other three episode titles we have are Eminence, Shades of Reason, and The Lawless. Uh, Eminence, apparently, according to the Star Wars wiki, is uh, has Eminence was adapted in the young reader's book Star Wars: The Clone Wars: Darth Maul Shadow Conspiracy. Now I don't know if this is a book that's actually out yet, uh, or if it uh, or if it's coming out because there's not a lot of details. Uh, but I, but I think that this, this uh, three part, is is the uh, the Mandalorian stuff uh, later this season. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I believe that this is going to be a four part arc with these characters. This will probably, I mean, if you look at sort of the timing of it, I think this, will, this will close out the season for uh, for twenty twelve. Um, yeah, because that'll put it at uh, the first, the eighth, the fifteenth, and the twenty-second. Um, so yeah, I uh, we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes, uh, mm. and how many episodes we're gonna get out of this. I'm sure we'll get more details pretty quick. What uh, I've heard is that they're gonna do, and this is kind of weird. Uh, I saw it on Twitter yesterday. They're gonna do yeah. two two out of this arc, take their winter break, and then is, come back, and then come back with the last two, and I. I don't know. It's kind of a goofy thing to do to, to, to split up an arc like that. But you know, I guess the rest of the seasons are going to be a bunch of arcs, apparently. Yeah. So yeah. what do you do? I mean, you gotta. Um, yeah, but that's gotta that's kind of what tentatively what I've heard. So yeah. we'll see how that goes, though. We will. But that's going to do it for this week. That is it. Uh, so don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com, on Facebook at facebook.com/slash. Clone Wars podcast uh, on Twitter at twitter.com slash Clone Wars and you can send all your comments, questions and feedback to mail at clonewarspodcast.com so thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week on Frontlines the Clone Wars podcast see you guys next week well another close to another wonderful show Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontlines the Clone Wars podcast Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. The force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always.